0: It's a bit of a prayer. Father, I want to thank you for each one here today. And thank you, Father, for the time to, to worship you. Father, for those that are gone, as we said earlier, that are sick or at hospitals or out of town, I pray, Father, for your blessing on them by your spirit that you would just touch them in, uh, in a way that they just feel warm and close to you. And put your healing hand on those that need your healing hand and, and protection on those that are, again, that may be on the road. Just take care of all this, in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, and Lord, take care of the message. <laughs> Bless it, preach it, carry it, and use it. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. If you've noticed, over the last few months, I've kind of been pointing us to heaven, uh, trying to, to talk about different talk about heaven from different vantage points. And one of the things that we need to remember that that not only as we face the things in this world, but as we go through whatever we go through, in our own personal lives. If we have a heavenward perspective, that perspective will help us through this, this journey that we're on. And so we need to learn to train ourselves to focus on God, and to think about his heavenly promises and know the direction that we are going and know the end result as well. We've looked at heaven, we've, we've paid attention to that a few times in the last few months, and if we, I I just, just said, if we keep a heavenly or heavenward perspective, it'll do something. It'll help our priorities in life. Because if we have a view that, people that don't have a view for heaven, what happens is that they build all their life on earth, right? But people that have a view of heaven are realizing the things of earth are temporary and that we're called to build our life on things in heaven which is obscure to us but the more we're faithful to God and following him the more we are uh, growing in him the more he's using us and the more he's preparing us for the future that that he has for us in eternity so not only have we looked heavenward bound but we've also had one message that talked about the fact that when we worship in spirit and truth that genuine worship really does bless God that here from earth is mind-boggling. God's in heaven, Jesus is in heaven, the right hand of the Father, and we're here on earth, and our praises from a genuine heart reach his throne, and he's blessed by our praises. So when we give thanks to God, or we praise him for something, or we're singing to him, or however, whatever form that we're worship, because giving thanks and praising him and singing to him are all forms of worship God is blessed by it when it's from a genuine heart. We've learned over the years that our journey on Earth has a predetermined time span. We know that. We know that our home is not here. We know that our citizenship and our name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be removed from it. When we put all those things that we know in perspective you know, we're to look heavenward. We're to give. We keep our priorities straight. We're to give them praise and honor and glory through song and thankfulness and, and worship. We're to remember that we're not citizens here. It's not our home. We're, our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life that, that will never be removed. Those are just some of the things that we know that can help direct our heart, our spirit, our soul, our perspective in life toward heaven. And if we can get connected to the fact that The more I think about heavenward and God's purpose, the more I am using my life in a way that God wants it to, but also the more I will have an awareness of the grace and power of God working through my life here on earth. Do you understand what that means? When we're in in step with God, we're focused properly, our priorities are set by God's priorities, It's different from the priorities of the world. It's a different focus of the world. And in that relationship and in those understandings, we can approach life from a different perspective than what the world does. And it helps us through life, and it also helps us grow in Christ. And so all these things should help us and encourage us to look heavenward and to follow Jesus. So today I want us to consider that there are things from heaven God wants to give us. Right. So really what I'm trying to do here is you know, heaven, earth, and we're to be connected with heaven. It's a, it's a concept that's vague, but it's a spiritual concept that's necessary for us to really be focused on tasks on how God wants us to live for him. So I want to look at James 1.17 because God wants to give us, the, give us blessings and he wants us to look heavenward. Um, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I love the fact there's no variation or shadow of turning. That means that God is full of light, full of truth. There's nothing that needs to be tweaked on God to adjust him, that there's no shadow or gray areas in God. God is absolutely holy, pure, and just. But he's also the father of lights. And we know he created the the, the heavens and the planets and the sun and the stars and all the things that are up there. But also, we know that God uh, reveals light and truth and understanding to our heart and mind, right? He gives us what we need in lieu of how do we live a life that's pure? How do we live a life of love and joy and peace? How do we live a life of purpose and and focus and all those things? He enlightens our heart with spiritual understanding. And so he is the father of lights. God gives us every good and perfect gift from heaven. But do we recognize or receive those good gifts in our lives? So a good gift from heaven some might say is i won the lot- i run the lottery thank you god that's a good gift from heaven but that gift could bring destruction on a person's life too right because they can misuse it they can have the wrong priority if their treasure is focused in money and not in god then the, then the result is is disastrous because it pulls them away jesus said that we can't love god and mammon we can't love god and the world we can't put our our chips in the world treasures and expect to walk with god and so we need to learn to understand that there's a a difference there and that we need to to um, set our priorities right and know how to identify gifts from god a spiritual gift that God gives you is something that you realize that God is leading you to do that is not your normal tendency to do. God leads you to do something that stretches you beyond you know your own capabilities and then you do it and you see God giving you the grace to do it. That's a spiritual gift. And so we start identifying gifts that God gives us. They can be spiritual, they can be the things that we already talked about, about heaven and the promises of God. They can be um, uh, good things that God has given in a life, obviously, but they're the best things. And they're in contrast to the, what we consider good in the world to that which is good by God. Look, God, his definition of looking at good things is that they're righteous and pure and have right motives. But the things that we might consider good may not line up with God's priorities or God's righteousness right? In other words, we might, we might say uh, that I've accomplished this, 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 and this. Look at the Apostle Paul, for instance. He, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees under the highest teaching of the land under Galileo. He, he was uh, very rich. He was the best of the best of the Jewish crop. And when he received Christ, he said, I count all of that as dung, now, see, you, he could have said, those are all good gifts from God. But he counted them as dung. And so there's a shift, there's a paradigm shift from that to what was the gift that God had given him? Had given him a, a, a salvation, had given him a calling had giving him a principle that, look, I'm going to use your life this way, and if you're going to follow me, this is what I'm going to do. And I love the irony of God, that, that Paul, who hated those that followed Christ, especially those that were Gentile, God called him to minister to the Gentile. <laughs> I love that. God says, I'm going to humble you, and you're going to see this is a gift to you. So we start to differentiate between what is a good gift and what is God's gift, right? We start to see that our reasoning for what is good doesn't match up always with what God says. In fact, it usually doesn't. And so uh, we've been given the good gift of holiness and righteousness from heaven above through Christ's death and resurrection, right? Right? Jesus cleansed us from our sins when we received him into our lives, making us holy and righteous in him. We don't like thinking of ourselves that way because we know who we are. I mean, if we say God's made us holy and righteous, and we, we look at that and say, I'm holy and I'm righteous, the first thing to contrast is everything that we know that we're not, that's, that's not pleasing to God, right? But the reality in our position in God, God has place us in a position in Christ where God the Father sees us absolutely clean and acceptable, made holy and righteous in Christ Jesus, nothing of ourselves. Hebrews 13.12 says this, Therefore, to make the people holy through his own blood, Yeshua or Jesus, also suffered outside the gate. And so God, God was giving us a good gift through that suffering, the suffering of Jesus. I want to remind you, I think I mentioned this to you later, earlier, earlier that when bad things happen in our, in our life, when it's the low side of, of life, be prepared that God is preparing you for a blessing. It's the upswing. It's the other side. And God will bless you. So a godly or Christ-like character of holiness can only come from what? Where do we get our... Christ-like character, holiness, or righteousness? From God, who lives where? In heaven. And so we we see that that Christ-like character of holiness can only come from heaven above. We can't work for it, and we can't attain it on our own. Isn't that right? We can only be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Period. We're only made holy and righteous in Christ Jesus, not of ourselves. Least anyone should boast, Ephesians 2.8 and 9 right that's a great gift from god our salvation and so praise god that you've accepted christ as your personal lord and savior you you know he died on the cross for your sins you know that he rose from the dead you know that he's alive today and at one point you made a decision to receive jesus christ into your life as your savior a great day of salvation and that's open and available to all people and um if uh, there are those that hear this message that aren't saved, please consider asking Jesus Christ into your life. God also gives us the gift of the opportunity to fulfill his will from heaven on earth as it is fulfilled by his heavenly hosts in heaven. Now we're getting into a little area of this message where you're seeing a little bit more of an intensity of, our, of the involvement of heaven and earth in our life. We're on earth, there's heaven, God's will, and we do it as God provides the way and the means for us to do so. Um, In Matthew 6.10 it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, as it is in heaven. We need to understand that the will of God comes to us. We can't force God to, to yield to our will. It's God's will that God is calling us to conform our lives to. And so our desire, like in the Lord's Prayer, is that we desire that whatever your will is in heaven for me, let it be done here on earth. So whatever you want, Lord, I want you to do what you are going to do with my life here on earth. I want your will to be done. That will only comes from heaven. To know his will, we need to keep our hearts and minds focused on God and the instructions that he sends us from heaven above. I introduced the message by the fact that we are to talk to God continuously. But we don't want to be a chatterbox that doesn't listen, right? We need to learn to listen to God and, and, and know when God is speaking to our heart. So to know his will, we need to keep our hearts and minds focused on God and the instructions that he sends us from heaven. Be focused on God and the instructions he gives us. How do we know the instructions of God? By talking to him, by listening to him, by desiring him, by yielding to him. By saying, "Lord, I want to follow you, I want your will in my life." And as we keep focused on him that way, God will begin to reveal to his to us his will for our life. In Colossians 3:2, it says, "Set your minds on minds on things above, not on the not on things on the earth." Isn't that what I've been talking about? Paul said all that stuff is done, but God's will, God's plan is what he cherished. God forsook his name, his power, his authority, even his identity for the sake of yielding to the calling of God's will from heaven on his life on earth. And that's what God wants to do with you and I. And, and so we, like in, again, in Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. As we follow Christ and and fix our heart and our life on Jesus, God, again, will begin to unveil before us his plan, his purpose for us. And it doesn't matter where you are, what stage of life you're in, because any stage of life you're in, God still has a purpose for you to do. And we need to remember that as believers. And so we're to keep a constant communication between heaven and earth, prayer. And so let's consider an example of this in the Old Testament. Genesis twenty-eight ten through 12. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were sending and descending. It's an interesting dream, right, that God gave Jacob. God was speaking to him, giving him a message through this dream. Uh, Pastor uh, Charles Spurgeon from the 1800s said this about this. Quote, the God of Bethel is a God who does concern himself with the things of earth, not a God who shuts himself up in heaven, but God who has a ladder fixed between heaven and earth. God is focused on us, and he wants us to be connected to him and him connected to us in this life. And that's the picture. The ladder from earth to heaven was in this dream to Jacob. Jacob wasn't a really good guy. He did a lot, a lot of lying and conniving, conniving, okay, whatever you, however you want to say it, right? But in any case... God spoke to him. Look, I have a plan for you, and I'm going to work my will in your life from heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Look heavenward, not build your life on earth. Think of things above, not on earth. Be in God's will. Let thy kingdom come in heaven as it is on, thy will be done in heaven as it is on earth. The latter, heaven, earth. Heaven, earth, heaven, earth, heaven, earth, heaven, earth. God wants that focus for us to maintain. Heaven, God's will on earth. So let's look again. In Jacob's dream, the latter revealed the gift of access to heaven or God. Okay? And Jacob knew God was closer than he ever thought before. And there was real access and interaction between heaven and earth. It was an enlightening, a spiritual enlightenment to Jacob Jacob goes I I," he's realized God has showed that God is focused on him on his life and is involved in his life and he didn't realize that have you ever been there have you ever realized that God is focused on you and your life and that he has a will for you that's exciting when we identify, look, God is focused on me, loving me, and has a will for me, a desire for me, a purpose for me, a direction for me, and that he's going to interact with me and, and through me work out his will as we rely on him. Praise God for that. That's the picture of this dream. God's, God perhaps has these angels. Excuse me. Did I go too far? Did I read 28, 13 through 15? Okay. Thank you. Um, So in Genesis 28, 13 through 15, it says, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until you until I have done what I have spoken to you. God has a purpose, God knows what he's gonna do, in and through our life. And so I believe that not only is God close to Jacob and focused on him, but that God perhaps has these angels that he saw ascending and descending, working on Jacob's behalf, going up and down the ladder to carry out God's promise to Jacob. Now, it may not be the angels in the dream, but the picture is that I have my ministering agents ministering on your behalf. That's pretty cool. God the Father says, I have my eyes on you, I have my desire and will for you to be accomplished, and I have my ministering agents called angels that are going up and down. They go up, they get the command from God on what, they, what God wants them to do on behalf of Jacob, and then they carry it out on earth. So the angel goes up, Here's God's directive, comes down the earth, does the work that God wants them to do on behalf of Jacob to help accomplish the goal that God wants to do in and his life. God not only reveals uh, reveals he uses angels in Jacob, in Jacob's life, but he also uses angels on our behalf, on your behalf, and on my behalf. Look at Hebrews 1.14. This is in the Good News Translation. What are the angels then? Are they spirits who serve God and are sent by him to help those who are to receive salvation? Now, And looking at this verse, I had to study it a little closer. (laughs) Excuse me. Some might say, well, this means that God directs his angels to help direct your path to that point of you receiving Christ. You see that? It says, they are spirits who serve God and are sent by him to help those who are to receive salvation. So we can look at angels involved in our pre-salvation experience. They're involved in helping us to get on the right focus, the right track, so to speak. But as I looked at that, there's in the Greek, there's also mean, it means being saved. It doesn't mean that we were not saved. It means that God's salvation work is not yet completed. So we can see the work God had for Jacob, and he had angels involved in his life to help him accomplish the goal and the job that God had for him. And God has, uh, we see in Scripture that God uses angels to help us to get to that place where we we receive Christ as our Savior. He doesn't make us receive Christ as our Savior. They just are agents to help us in that direction. But we also can look at this as that Angels are used and called of God, commissioned by God, to interact on our behalf to help us work out or to accomplish the salvation that God wants to work in through our lives. What does that mean? That means God is taking, uh, using angels and messengers in all to help shape us into the people that God wants us to be. There's a scripture that says we are not yet <coughs> made perfect or complete. Right? We're only fully completed in Christ when what? When we're in heaven. When we get our new bodies, frankly. And so what are we now? We are heirs of Christ. But have we gained our inheritance yet? All the, it, says that, it says that all the Father has for the Son as an heir that he will share with us. We're going to be involved with that. He's going to honor us with crowns. He's going to give us a, a new purpose uh, and a direction in eternity forward. So we're heirs of Christ, but we have not inherited our inheritance yet. And it's full completion. Does that make sense? No? Yes? Okay. So, so this passage right here in Hebrews 1.14 in the Greek can mean one, He's he's These angels are there to lead us to salvation and to the working of salvation in our life to completion. And so what do the angels send? They are spirits who serve God and are sent by him to help those who receive salvation. We, We, in receiving Christ, we're saved. Name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But as we grow in Christ's character, That's part of our salvation experience because we become more like Christ. It's part of transforming us to be more like him. And so it's just food for thought. I believe angels are involved in our lives, commissioned by God, before our salvation, and now. As we we journey, as we grow in him, as we're pursuing him and his purposes, he knows his purpose for our life. And he's interacting in our life in ways to help us fulfill that. Okay? At bare minimum, these angels in this dream are a picture of God's angels going to heaven and earth doing his work. Right? What was the end result of this dream in Genesis 28? Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Hey, you know the term "awesome" was was it was an old term, huh? <laughs> this is an awesome. This is an awesome place. You know how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob is now aware of the gift of God's involvement from heaven in his life. So up until this point, I mentioned it before. Uh, he had been focused on his life. Jacob was focused on, I want to get the inheritance from my father, the blessing from my father. I want to get such land. I want this and that. His, his life was focused on earth and not heaven up to this point. He always thought what was best for Jacob. All right? He did not have a close relationship with God. He did not realize that God had plans for him to complete his heavenly will on earth. Jacob was to be a part of the Messianic line, and he was the current leader of the beginnings of the tribes of Israel. <clears throat> and so he, his role is very important in setting up the Jewish people and the, 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 the mission of the gospel. <clears throat> so we should all always seek heaven first, not earth. Life and blessings come from heaven above. Can we agree with that? Mm-hmm. <coughs> they come from above. Like Jacob, many Christians seek their blessings from the way they live on earth <coughs> rather than seeking the heavenly gifts from God. Now, <coughs> see if I can say this before my voice stops. I'm right at the end. Right at that. Right at that. And it's like the but the Holy Spirit is there. The gifts of holiness, purity, love, fruits of the Spirit, etc., can only be gained by focusing <coughs> on heaven above. It's been said, we can only become pure by living from the pure. We can only become good. To become good is to live from the good. To become loving is to live from Love. To become giving is to live from the gift. To become godly is to live from God. See, that's the heaven focus. So keep your minds focused above and receive God's good gifts from heaven and live out His heavenly will for you on your life on earth. Keep your minds focused above and receive God's good gifts from heaven and live out His heavenly will on earth doesn't matter what phase of life you're in doesn't matter where you're at God has a purpose if you're alive and breathing and you're a believer in in Jesus Christ then you can be used of God for him wherever you're at he has a will and a purpose for you let's go to the Lord in prayer Father I want to thank you for the truth that you're involved in our life (coughs) that um, You on your throne in heaven are intensely involved in our life. The timing of everything in our life is in your hands. You know all things and you have your purpose and it's holy. I praise you for that. I thank you for the Old Testament example of the ladder from heaven to earth on Jacob's behalf, but also on our behalf. I thank you for your ministering angels, Father, That. Uh, Intercede in our lives from time to time. I thank you for your the work of salvation that you're working in our life. Not that our names aren't written in the Lamb's book when we receive Christ as our Savior, but they are at the instant we ask Jesus in our life, and our name will never be removed from the book of life. You've secured that, but you are working salvation through our lives, and that you are retrieving us from the carnality of the flesh and the thinking of the flesh and the priorities of the flesh and changing us to think about the spiritual truths and the spiritual priorities and the spiritual directives directives in our lives and in that you're changing us in our character to be more like your son and i praise you father that one day we will be made absolutely complete in you We will not only be in heaven, but we will have our new bodies. And we will be with you and each other. And we will live out eternity absolutely perfect, sinless, complete, and in full character in Christ Jesus. And so I praise you for that. And I thank you also for the fact that each one of us are unique. We're unique in Christ Jesus. And so as we develop the character of you in our lives, You also have made us to be our own unique person, here now and forever. So thank you, Lord, for that. Help us, Father, to look heavenward, to always look at you and seek your will, that whatever your will is in heaven, that we will seek you to accomplish that will in our lives here on earth. Because everything that's good, everything that is um, of lasting value, eternal value, comes from you. And everything of this world is only temporary. So, Father, help us to be that kind of people that live with that spiritual perspective and that we are open to you, willing to lay ourselves before you and trust you to use us for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.